0: everybody, welcome to another episode of The Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And
1: hey, my name's Mike. Hi Mike. Hey, um, we are a weekly true crime podcast every Sunday for the past, what, 80 weeks, 84 weeks? Something, I think? something like that, yeah. Might be episode 83 over here. So, yeah, happy to bring you, Um, well, not happy, but... Uh, Definitely happy to spread the stories of these people um, to remember them uh, appropriately. So, uh, yeah, we do this every week. Uh, Allison's been doing most of them, I'd say, 90.9%. I was
0: thinking about that this morning. I'm like, I don't think Mike has covered a case in months. Yeah.
1: Well, I've been out uh, out of the office this week. So that's at least an excuse for this week. Went to Chicago for an entire week for, for work. work. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I didn't put up the uh, latest YouTube video. But we got two of them coming. I'll I'll make sure they're both out today. Yeah, that's my uh, my my direct promise.
0: I'll stay on them for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you will, and um, that way you can see what Allison's wearing right now. It's super adorable, in my opinion. So if you don't like it, then you know go. Shut pound sand, <laughs> but um, I it's are these in now for ladies like I, jumpsuits? I don't
0: know what's in and what's out, Mike. Uh, I'm well. not in in with the times. Um, it's we talked about this last week. It was like a romper that I was wearing. Yeah and it was uh it was okay i know we put it on amazon addiction allison's am- amazon oh, we addiction did. so i probably shouldn't have put that one because i had just gotten it i hadn't sufficiently tested it
1: oh maybe i'll take it down so, so you didn't like this much i mean
0: it's fine it's it's not as nice so i this was one, looking around i'm
1: a big fan of this one sorry to cut you off but i mean it's uh i think your butt looks the best in this one i just want to put my hands into it and then squeeze your little butt cheeks that's
0: a lot of information there yeah,
1: probably tmi but hey i am who i am
0: so I'd seen a girl wearing this particular romper when we were at your brother's wedding and I was getting my hair done. She was wearing it. The girl who was doing my hair and I heard her say she got it at Dick Sporting Goods. It's The brand is FP Movement.
1: Yeah and I was like Dick Sporting Goods? Is that like a sporty jumper or something? And it's like not necessarily. They just happen to sell it on Dick Sporting Goods.
0: Yeah and I got it online and they shipped it within a couple of days and yeah.
1: Yeah we'll throw the link up in the uh, notes.
0: And I have a confession. What? I bought a second color.
1: I knew it. Well, I,
0: I couldn't I couldn't resist it.
1: Once you, well, once you find something you like,
0: you know, you know exactly get a few
1: different colors and then you're good.
0: I test drove it and yeah. it's perfect for just kinda being around on the weekend and
1: And what'd you say about going out today? When I, I woke up and I looked at you and you were like, um uh, what'd you say? I uh, said
0: I need to take my contacts out. I've been up since three thirty in the morning. I just could not sleep. I woke up, I was wide awake, so I got up. And I put my contacts in but my my left eye was just feeling funky this morning. So I at what 630 730 you came out. So I had been up already for what four hours I was like, I need to take my contacts out because Lord knows I'm not going outside. <laughs> or Yeah, I am put my glasses back on. Oh, and you
1: also put SPF on your face.
0: <laughs> so every morning um, I put my moisturizer on and then I put sunscreen on. And as I was applying this morning, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this because I'm not going outside today.
1: <laughs> it's pretty funny that you've already decided I'm not going outside.
0: <laughs> I was a single working parent all last week with activities every single day after school, running from four in the morning until about nine o'clock at night every single day yeah
1: single moms and dads out there i don't know how you do it It
0: (laughs) i don't know how you do it yeah praise to you i get into a good routine like i keep the house in order i keep laundry flowing dinners going but it's not easy
1: like anything else you would get into a routine yeah you would figure it out but it's because you have no option yeah you you have to and
0: i I probably make it look kind of easy but on like by friday i was i was sheer exhaustion yeah So I'm wearing my romper, I'm wearing glasses, and I'm staying in all day. And you know what? I don't feel... Bad about it at all.
1: I think if we were not recording on the podcast, you would say, I don't give a flying F. I, I would, think you would say that. Probably,
0: I probably would say yeah. that. Not in front of my children, no. but just in front of you. Of
1: course, of course. And I was lucky enough to be in Chicago all week, winding and dining with my coworkers on the some rooftop in Chicago.
0: Yeah, Mike's at friggin' rooftop bars in downtown Chicago, and I'm at a little league field. No,
1: it was our, uh, to be fair, it was our corporate headquarters. So oh. it wasn't a rooftop bar, but I was also at a rooftop bar. So I guess technically you're right. But the, the time I'm thinking of, like, like I, I told somebody, one of my managers or something, I'm like, today is like one of the most perfect days in all time history in any city ever. Like it was like seventy six degrees or seventy eight. We were on top of this rooftop overlooking downtown Chicago. Such a beautiful city. It was just a slight breeze. Like just everything was beautiful and magnificent. Right before like the sun went down, it was you know golden hour. Like you love. Mm -hmm. It was just like breathtaking. I wish you could have been there, obviously, but it was just like so nice just to be out there and enjoying time with some people. You know that were they were cool. So
0: and you got lucky because this week it's supposed to snow tomorrow.
1: That's Chicago for you.
0: Yeah, the week we went last year. Was thirty degrees when we arrived, and like five days later, it was ninety degrees. Yeah, yeah. so you just never know.
1: And um, Chicago, you smell weed everywhere you go. Hmm. Yeah, so kind of interesting.
0: It is interesting. Yeah,
1: um, but uh, oh, and also, I don't think people care, but I got a little gout flare-up in my left ankle here.
0: You poor son of That's a what bitch. What happens when
1: you get old, kids? So watch out. I mean, it's in gout. Is is it the most disgusting thing that you can think of when people have chronic issues?
0: No, because you can't see it.
1: Yeah, no, but like the word.
0: No, I would think something like a weeping wound would be worse. A weeping wound? A weeping like wound. Like it cries? It actually like oozes. Ugh. I don't know how wound care Ugh. nurses... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, because I as a dietitian, have to cover any kind of problematic wounds in the hospital because nutrition is a factor in healing. So I don't dress the wounds or do anything. The okay. nurse is doing that. How they do that job... Uh, I don't know. They must have a stomach of steel. God
1: bless them. I don't. God want to bless talk, them. Let's not talk about wounds. Let's talk more about gout. So
0: no, gout does not freak me out at all. Okay. When you work in a hospital, the word gout doesn't trouble you.
1: I know. You know the reason I, it makes me laugh is because of Adam Sandler. He had that lunch lady land uh, song, and it's like she's got a bad case of the gout. <laughs> And it was like, so yeah, it it just hurts. It's like little crystals building up in my ankles. And I only get it when I'm traveling.
0: Yeah, it's really weird. I don't
1: know know what the deal is there. Yeah, so
0: you just can't stand to be away from me. And you also had a birthday this week too. Oh, yes, I did. You're officially 44 years old. 44 years young. And you're officially older than me for the next month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, um, oh, I believe um, we should be making out a little bit for my birthday. Cause uh,
0: no, you weren't here on your birthday, so that ship has sailed, that door has closed, uh, bye-bye.
1: Uh, good thing you love me still, and you're going to, you know, uh,
0: hopefully you know,
1: talk with me and see how that goes. <laughs> I'm not so. going to talk
0: with you. Hey. I'm going to make you your damn birthday burger, because you wanted a birthday burger. I'm making you a damn wedge salad.
1: <laughs> yes, and that's going to be delicious. And, <laughs> and a cake. Speaking of birthday gifts, if you would be so inclined, listener, I'm talking to you directly, who has us in your ear. Right now. Um, We have uh, many ways to support us for free. One being leaving a review on your uh, podcast listening... platform of choice i'd like to review one of the uh, reviews here or
0: you're gonna review the review i
1: am it says absolutely amazing it was on amazon audible so i've been listening to mike and allison for almost a year now i listen to them every morning on my way to work which is so cool that is awesome uh, it's kind of it's crazy that you know people listen to us enough and care about us enough and
0: yeah it's truly mind-blowing when i actually sit here and think about it
1: yeah she said i love the great storytelling oh by the way her name's anna And how detailed you both are and you're telling your stories. Love the banter. The beginning, it always makes me laugh and makes my day. You guys do a great job of um, uh, personalizing your show. And that's why we do it. We want you to get to know us a little bit.
0: Yeah, thank you, Anna. Because there are some haters of the banter. And, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. But just, to me, skip forward. I I personally like banter with podcasts. I I like to. Be able to relate. And also, I love the minute, boring details of people's lives. Yeah. I love to know what people's daily lives look like.
1: Yes. So, if everybody's you don't like it, skip it. got cares? their own prerogative. Yep. Allison, I love your Oz after everything you say. Mike, you Ooh. don't have to be so hard on yourself. You're a great, funny guy. See, so yeah, this is the kind of stuff <laughs> I love pumping me up here for my birthday. Um, I love your story just as much as Allison's. You're great together. Thank you so much for bringing the stories to light. I appreciate all the hard work you put into it. Keep up the hard work and great work. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Thank and you some people
0: might hate the ahs I put after my words.
1: Um, I don't. I've gotten used to it. Didn't even know you did it. So. <laughs> my and
0: co-workers always laugh. They say that this is how I speak of you. Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Mike. Mike. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now that we pointed it out, we're going to lose a couple hundred Yeah. Listeners. Sorry, that's guys. Okay. So let's get I'm this, sure uh, you'll
0: find another podcast that's worthy. <laughs>
1: There's plenty out there.
0: But on that note, are you ready? yes absolutely. let's do it are you excited about your chocolate peanut butter cake by the way
1: uh i didn't even know
0: well now you know boom
1: <laughs> now you know. boom roasted yep
0: as michael scott i'm would very say.
1: excited chocolate and peanut butter are my favorite combination
0: so this story is the disappearance and murder of lynn dawson or lynette
1: oh and um i i know you're about to tell us but we have like the our number one country for listeners is the united states obviously number two is australia
0: <gasps> Look at that. So,
1: and this is from Australia, you told me? Yes, it is. Okay. I did
0: tell you that. So, um, you can write down the word Lynn, the name Lynn, because that's what I'm going to be calling her. Mike takes his little diligent notes here. So, this is a listener suggestion from Melissa. So, thank you so much, Melissa, for this case. So, it was January of 1982, and Lynn Dawson was 33 years old. She went missing from Sydney, Australia. So, Lynn was described as beautiful, warm, she was funny. The story of her disappearance it didn't initially make headlines at the time because she wasn't reported missing right away. Hmm. So Lynn's husband, Chris Dawson, he worked as a P.E. teacher at Cromer High School. He was a fantastic athlete himself. He was part of Newton. I'm I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Newtown, maybe.
1: Just to uh, go ahead and put it out there, you're going to mispronounce some things. Well,
0: I will tell you that I did look up the pronunciation of any of the trickier towns, and I wrote them phonetically on my sheet. So I hope I don't make anyone cringe from Australia. Let's go with Newton. Yeah, we'll go with New- Newton. Um, high school, he was a like I said, a fantastic athlete, and he was actually part of a rugby league. He played alongside his twin brother Paul, who also happened to teach at the same school. I guess they were exceptionally close. If I could be
1: selfish, right this second, I freaking love rugby. I love watching the rugby eights on ESPN. Like it's just so fun. I I am mesmerized by it. It's mm. such a cool sport. I wish we liked it more in America here.
0: Yeah, I've really I have to admit that I never really watched it. Remember, I was going to play rugby in college. I yeah,
1: you had an idea for. Like like 30 seconds you're like maybe i'll join the rugby team and i looked at some of those girls and you were five to 120 pounds and i was like those girls can like hit hard man you're probably gonna die and i don't <laughs> want you to die
0: so i decided not to yeah. So, both men were very good looking. They started in the modeling industry before moving on to play rugby. So, on the morning of Friday, January 8th, 1982, Lynn spoke with her mom, Helena, and they planned to meet the next day on the 9th at the Northbridge Baths. And this is basically like a local beach area on Sydney's North Shore. They then planned to meet up with the rest of the Dawson family the following day. According to Uh, Chris's eventual police statement, he said that he dropped Lynn off at the Mona Vale Shopping Center on the morning of January 9th. Um, I guess I heard also that he dropped her off at a bus station, but regardless, he had dropped her off on the morning of the 9th But when Helena arrived, expecting to see Lynn, she was nowhere to be found. Chris called her and told her that Lynn hadn't shown up since she told him that she needed some time on her own and instead had gone off for the next few days to regroup, compose herself, get some much needed time to reflect on her life. So that's what he's telling Lynn's mom.
1: Yeah, something tells me. Chris is going to be uh, a guy looked into here.
0: So Lynn didn't end up being reported missing for more than a month. So Lynn and Chris began dating in 1965. They were very young. Lynn was a student at Sydney girls high school while Chris attended Sydney boys. They met at a school event when they were only 16 years old. They got married five years later on March 26, 1970 when they were each 21 years old and then in 1975, they purchased land, and they built their family home in Bayview. In July of 1977, they welcomed their first baby girl, Chanel, into the family, and then their second daughter, Sharon, was born in July of
1: 1979. Chanel and Sharon. Mm-hmm. Cute.
0: So this was the same year that hey, Wait, did you say 1979? Yeah. Our our, our year. Our year yeah. exactly. So she's our age. So this is the same year that Chris started working as a PE teacher at Sydney High School. So it sounds like he was at various high schools throughout the story a year later in 1980 Chris began teaching a year 11 student named Joanne Curtis Uh-oh. now I will tell you that in most of the articles I got my research from they referred to her as JC so moving forward I'm going to call Joanne Curtis JC okay Just if you to say you Joanne
1: know. I'm gonna I'm gonna be angry I'm
0: not gonna say Joanne okay so calm your tits <laughs> so he first noticed Joanne I'm sorry Oh, my, oh God, my God. I literally just did it. Hey, guys,
1: just so you know, I'm going to say J.C. <laughs> but
0: it's because I'm looking at her name on the on the paper. Yeah, so my apologies. No Again, I've been up since 3.30 in the morning. So please forgive me. I'll get on with it, please. So he noticed J.C. when she was in year 10. And I assume that this would be equivalent to America's sophomore year of, of high school. So it was later revealed that he altered the class assignments so that he was her teacher. And throughout that year, Chris acted as a friend and confidant to JC. They sh- She shared with him many of the issues that were going on in her life. I guess she had a tumultuous home life. She had issues with a violent stepfather. So she's confiding in her very good-looking teacher.
1: So she has, <laughs> you know, quote-unquote daddy issues, you know, and is looking for a male figure that will, you know, help her out. Mm-hmm. And this happens a lot.
0: You know, and I look back to my high school years, if I had like a semi Decent looking teacher, I'd probably have like a little crush on him. You know, it's that's that's normal, but, but you, what you, goes on is not normal.
1: And we all know when you're teenage years, your hormones are raging like crazy. Sure. Like, you know, I I always say my thing was like I'd get turned on by an Aunt Jemima bottle. Nice, my you know, real nice. Like, yeah, and uh, it, it this is a thing, and the you know, some of these sick ass teachers take advantage of this,
0: right? And I mean, Chris was a legitimately good looking guy, but this man should know better that this is a child that we're dealing with,
1: of course, and and it's sick. Yeah, and the thing, uh, what I want to ask you, you say you know you can you had an attraction to some teachers like if they would have been like Allison stay after class Would it would you know would you probably I go would for have it or something panicked okay
0: no I uh-huh. would have absolutely panicked I was very um you know what's the word innocent when I was around 16 okay so as much as I would have maybe fantasized about it had it actually happened in reality no I would have shut down yeah so, um, you know, Chris is posing as a friend to her. She, you know, she's looking at him as somebody that she can rely on and confide in. And he's taking advantage of this. So I had to keep reminding myself of the fact that, That JC is a child and trying not to get pissed off at her while I was doing my research.
1: Well, she's a child, but, you know, she has these urges, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough.
0: So, you know, she's sharing with him the issue she's having, and eventually he's inviting her into the home to become their family's babysitter. So, you know, she's getting closer to the family. So he was 32 years old at this time, and she is 16. So in 1981, Lynn started working part-time as a nurse for a childcare center in Warywood. It was there that she confided in a co-worker, Anna Grantham, that Chris was becoming physical with her. At one point, he pulled her hair and shoved her into the mud near their pool. Meanwhile, in October, J.C. actually moved into the Dawson's home – because her family life had become more and more toxic. And of course, I'm sure he's posing it to Lynn, like, hey, you're working. This will be a great help. We'll have live-in help. It's a win-win situation.
1: Yeah, you're never thinking your 32-year-old husband's trying to bone somebody half their age, literally half their age, oh, or that's truly. a student of theirs that mm-hmm. is, ah, uh, it's gross. The and whole picture's. Not to mention, like, lay your hands off of a woman. I mean, men, were a lot stronger. That's just how it's made. Like, unless you're trying to defend yourself, there's no reason no reason man I and mean, we this is something simple but yeah. I, I can't stand hearing and crap like this.
0: So at the time, though, Lynn did not feel good about this situation. She did not appreciate the fact that this young girl is moving into their home, knowing that during this time, her own marriage is on rocky ground and unstable. And
1: anytime you invite more people into your house, it's only going to get worse. Right. Because we lived with some people. You mm-hmm. know, we we had some friends here in Florida that they wanted to check Florida out, but they didn't know if they wanted to move here yet. So in our 20s, while we were married, we had some of them living with us because we we're like, OK, well, you can pay some rent and yeah, it'll be good. But it's like we, we couldn't be ourselves you oh know? It, it was always with them yeah always.
0: it's it's not a good idea no. the more people you bring in the more disruptive things can be So the couple, you know, is on rocky ground and this is only worsening this situation. But I will tell you that JC later did say that Lynn always did treat her well and made her feel welcome because I think Lynn was just a good person.
1: She (laughs) saw what JC wanted, you know, needed like a, a home.
0: Right. And she's literally, like you just said, twice this child's age and could be like a mother figure to her. Absolutely. Meanwhile, her predator of a husband is actually taking advantage of this situation. So. So, you know, you have to give hats off to Lynn for, you know, being so welcoming. So at one point, the couple got into an argument around this time. They were arguing in the yard loud enough that the neighbor actually peeked over the fence. She saw Lynn clutching one of her daughters as Chris was shaking Lynn by the shoulders. She could hear that they were arguing about the fact that JC had moved in. So soon after, Chris had surgery. I guess it was some sort of nose surgery. I'm not entirely sure what that was about. But he was admitted to the hospital between November 2nd and the 6th. And he specifically told his wife, do not come and visit me. Which, I mean, F off,
1: dude. Well, yeah, I mean, red flag. That's that's odd.
0: So at this time, though, Lynn's mom, Helena, stopped by. And when she came into Chris's hospital room, she sees none other than JC sitting by his bedside. Weird that's so alarming another
1: red flag i can't Uh, imagine you don't want your wife visiting you and you've got this 16 year old sitting there
0: so the next month in november or right around this time november lynn is suspecting that jc and chris are having an affair I don't think she had any concrete proof. It's just a suspicion, and rightly so.
1: Well, you probably see them talking to each other and probably some, like, touching, innocent touching, you know, like, oh, you or whatever. And you see that your husband is way more happy around this other person, mm-hmm. probably. You know you, you know how it gets, like, you get jealous sometimes. Like, in the past, we've been to parties, and it's like, oh, well, you give them more attention. And it's like, yeah, I do. Okay, I'm going to stop doing that.
0: Well, it's kind of like you're putting your best face forward to people that don't mean as much to you as your own spouse does. Right. And I know that's natural. Natural because we're the most comfortable around our spouses and in our home. Whereas when we go to the parties, we're trying to like be charming and all this. But it's important to look at that and be like, why am I being charming to this person I see once every five years, but not to my own husband or wife?
1: You go back to like you know, I think of myself like I'm I'm funny and jovial and stuff, and I come back and I don't give that to my wife. Yeah, Yeah, that's not fair.
0: And that's natural, but it's important to recognize it. So, you know, the suspicion here is that the two of them are sneaking off to have sex while Lynn is occupied. Maybe she's out of the house. Maybe she's sleeping. Maybe she's in the shower. Maybe but,
1: she's doing anything. Exactly. And they're just having sex. Yes.
0: Yes so um you know at this point in time it's getting to the point that she's so uncomfortable that lynn confronts jc and tells her you know you need to move out so jc moves a few doors down into the home of chris's twin brother paul and his wife marilyn's home which they share with their three daughters
1: okay so chris moved out does jc no, move out No, too? jc
0: so she oh, JC confronted jc and Got jc it. moved out to paul's house okay who he lives with his wife marilyn and their three kids and this okay. is only down the street. Only, yeah. A doors down yes yeah so they like i said they were very very close so in december chris goes ahead and puts 500 deposit down on an apartment that he planned to share with jc he picked jc up they drove to a pub and chris called his brother peter this is another brother and And he's a lawyer, and Chris is discussing that he intends to file for divorce from Lynn and move in with J.C., and Peter is telling Chris, you will be financially liable for the situation. You know, as a lawyer, I'm telling you this. Of course. So a week before Christmas now in 1981, Lynn's friend Rosalind noticed that the last time she had seen Lynn, her friend seemed unhappy. She also noticed that she had bruising on her arm and thigh. On December 23rd, Lynn finished her shift at work and she waited for Chris to pick her up. He didn't show up. She ended up taking a taxi home. And when she got in, she found that there was a note from Chris saying that he had left. He wrote asking her not to paint too black a picture of him to their children, which is kind of an odd thing to say because their children were young. They were only two and four. It's
1: like, are you never planning
0: on seeing them again? Exactly. My thoughts. Yeah. Like, are we talking when they're 16? I'm going to be painting this picture. Cause clearly a two and a four year old aren't going to understand the situation. Yeah, I mean, we can,
1: we're still going to be communicating here. You still you have should hope. I mean, you can paint your own picture, buddy.
0: But at this point in time, Lynn has no idea. She has no idea what to expect. So she told her sister that um, Chris had taken his clothes. He had also taken his pillow. She was very upset. She wasn't sure if he'd be coming back. She had no idea. So she told her daughters that their daddy had gone away on vacation. She gave them each a kiss, telling them it was from their daddy. So, for Christmas, Lynn's siblings invited her to their house, but she told them she wanted to stay home and see if Chris is going to come back, thinking, you know, Christmas is a family time. Maybe he's going to see the light and come to some senses and say, hey, I want to be with my girls.
1: Like more common, normal people.
0: Right. But, you know, that that didn't happen. So, little did Lynn know that... Chris and JC had packed up they had set out To drive over a thousand miles from Sydney to Queensland and After arriving and this is one of the towns I Had to I'm gonna say ed- Queensland on that one Queensland. Yep. I'm such a jackass no it's
1: okay And if I could really really quick so Chris Has two of these like worst things uh, A man can have one he's a pedophile mm. As far as I'm concerned a well pedo. it's
0: Not necessarily as far as you're concerned That's factual
1: yep and two, A guy that doesn't want to be in the lives of his Children I cannot for the life of me Stand it now there's like situations where maybe you didn't know you got somebody pregnant and whatever but like these were his kids with his wife and you don't plan on being part of their lives like i cannot fathom that and i can't respect any man who chooses to not be in his 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 lives of his children that he brought to this world Mm -hmm. these kids didn't have a choice of coming into the world right you you made it happen and you don't want to have any like kids need a, a relationship with a father Their father, a father figure, you know, as you can see by JC, who you're taking advantage of because you're a sick piece of shit. But that's two disgusting things. I'm sure there's a million of this guy.
0: Right. And like I said, they're two and four. Like, what a magical time of year to be with your kids. And he's choosing to drive off with a 16 year old like what magical part of their lives
1: you'll never see them as two and four year olds again
0: where are your priorities like where is your brain obviously it's in his penis but it's just disgusting so um you know he's driving over a thousand miles and this is the town that i had to i was going to completely botch so again i hope i do it right so they arrived in merwillimba merwillimba It was 500 uh, 500 miles up the coast from Sydney. They stopped because JC said she wasn't feeling well. And it was turning out that she was really not happy with this situation and this move. You know, she's 16. She's probably panicking because reality is setting in.
1: Well, he's treating her like an adult. Meanwhile, she's a kid. She's a kid. She has no idea what's going on. She's scared and whatever. Yeah, I I get it.
0: So they returned to Sydney. They arrived somewhere around Christmas morning. They spent the day with Paul and his wife, Marilyn. And of course, they're only just down the street from his own home. (laughs) So they kept the news quiet from Lynn. Chris and JC ended up sleeping in the Forest High School gym that night where he was a teacher i mean bizarre and she jc ended up going back to her mom's house she stayed there until she had a violent altercation with her stepfather at that point chris went and got jc and brought her to her sister's house in neutral bay she stayed there for a week and chris visited her most days wow so chris do anything to the stepfather Nope. No, not that I. there was no report of that. Okay. So on New Year's Eve, Chris contacted Lynn. He told her that he was going to attend a party on a yacht in Pittwater. Lynn suggested, why don't we go as a family? And Chris refused. It was later revealed he never even ended up going to this party. Instead, he spent the night with JC in his car.
1: Man, what a loser. Grown man. Again, guys, uh, if you're a teenager and somebody super old is coming at you, they're a loser. Mm -hmm. So stay away from them. You're only going to have a bad life.
0: Right. So on New Year's Day of 1982, Lynn and her two daughters made the trip to... Clovely. Uh Clovely. Clovelli. Another one I had to look up. It's okay. So they stayed at this point with her parents for a couple of nights and the next day JC went on a camping trip with her family and friends to celebrate the end of year 12. Chris begged her to call him every single day that she was gone.
1: Yeah, no shit, because he's controlling, mm-hmm. because he wants to know everything going on with you cuz you're his you he owns you as far as he's concerned.
0: Which is so sad because she's such a young girl, she's out on vacation, she should be having the time of her life free with her family and friends and instead she's probably nervous and tracking down a phone and calling him
1: yeah sick
0: so um what was i gonna say i I lost my place here i'm sorry um so the next day okay so she's camping and in the meantime lynn comes back on January 3rd to town. She goes back to work. She told her coworkers that she and Chris were going to try to fix things. They were going to attend marriage counseling. And her coworkers noticed, though, she had more bruising on her body. Ah, that's so sad. Which breaks my freaking heart. And on January 8th, Lynn and Chris went to marriage counseling. And after Lynn spoke to her mom, and Helena claimed that when she called the house, Chris initially seemed reluctant to even put Lynn on the phone. This would be the last time that any family member would speak with Lynn.
1: Yeah, this is the day it happened, right?
0: (sighs) Yeah. So she told her mom that the counseling session went well and that Chris had made her a lovely drink. She felt hopeful that everything was going to work out. So, of course, now we're moving on to January 9th when Lynn had planned to meet her mother.
1: Sweet Lynn is trying to, like, you know, think the best and be like, maybe Mm -hmm. we can get past things. Maybe we can put the family back together. She's just trying and hoping and praying and all that stuff. And little does she... No that I mean she she has an indication that her husband's a complete piece of shit, but yeah, she's she's trying for the best.
0: Of course. She wants to save her family. You know, they're moving on to a new year. She's probably thinking maybe this will be the year that we can reconcile this marriage and save it for our family. So, at this point, Chris is claiming that the next day, which was January 9th, Lynn woke up early to do laundry and make lunch for her two- and four-year-old daughters. He said that she was upset the previous night, but apologized that morning for her breakdown and was much calmer. He said that he drove Lynn to a Mona Vale bus stop so that she could go shopping, and he, in the meantime, headed off to Northbridge Bath so that their daughters could go swimming. Lynn was supposed to meet him there that afternoon before meeting her mom, but she never arrived. Helena remembers that when she did arrive, Chris appeared agitated and asked if Lynn had contacted her. He later said that Lynn called him and told him that she needed some time away. He had a friend drive Helena and his two daughters to Helena's home in Sydney, and then he went back to their home. So the next day, Chris went to Southwest Rocks where JC was vacationing with her friends J.C. later claimed that Chris was agitated during that time, and when they returned to Sydney, he asked her to move in with him. So he's getting this 16-year-old girl to move in only days after his wife is supposedly just taking a little break yeah. from from reality well
1: in his mind he's done with her got rid of her so now he can move on to the next phase in his life i mean he's a complete psychopath
0: how freaking telling is that if your wife is legitimately calling you and saying you know a lot's been going on i just need a few days to regroup like he's telling her mom she specifically said i need a few days to myself why would you possibly move the 16 year old girl back into the house because you know she's not coming back. That's why. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's so disgusting. So, you know, he's, he's telling JC, come move in. You can help me take care of the kids. So that's the way he's framing it. And, of course, he knows that she's vulnerable. She has a poor living situation. He's taking advantage of this girl.
1: Yeah, and she's probably afraid of her a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, I'd have to guess that he's probably threatened her with some physical violence, you yeah. know, just because he did that to Lynn. So, you know, anytime there's a physical abuser, they're going to do it to anybody they're with.
0: He, she basically said the decision she made was ultimately to just keep him quiet and keep him happy.
1: Sure. She didn't want to stir the pot. I'm, yeah. You know, you say, yeah, you're angry. But you, like you said, remember, this is a kid. She mm-hmm. doesn't know what she's doing. Not to mention any woman, any any person who could have been going through this. You know, she didn't have options. It's it's tough. Yeah. You can't judge people that, you know, are in a bad situation.
0: So Chris is claiming that Lynn is again calling him and telling him that she needs more time. He contacted contacted her work, excuse me, told them that she would be off for the next week since she was sick. So three days later, uh, or three days after Lynn was last seen, it's uh, somewhere around January 12th, a purchase was registered on Lynn's bank card for Katie's Narrabean, And then on January 12th, there was another purchase from just Jean's Narrabean. Chris ended up saying that the last contact he had had with his wife was on the phone on January 16th. Around this time, like I say, JC is moving into the home. She's sleeping in the Dawson's marital bed. So six weeks after Lynn went missing, Chris finally filed the missing persons report at the Mona Vale police station. It was February 18th. And the only reason why he did it was because Helena is begging him to do so because she knows that this is not like her daughter. Yeah. Maybe every mother needs a break. Sometimes she found it reasonable. Okay. She wanted to get away for a few nights. Everybody in the family knew that they were going through problems in their marriage it would have been pretty reasonable for her to do that.
1: As a mother, you think, okay, a long weekend. Then you talk yourself into, okay, a, a week. She, you know, And then, okay, a little longer than a week. Maybe she's really enjoying the time off. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, something's wrong.
0: Right. And the fact that she wouldn't have called her mom, who she planned on meeting that day, to say, mom, I'm really sorry. I know we had plans to meet. I just needed some time. She never did that. And Lynn would have never done this. Yeah. So they know that something's going on. But at the same time, they have known Chris since he was 16 years old. This is somebody that they consider to be a family member.
1: I mean, this is like me, like doing this to you.
0: You and I met when we were 16.
1: Except I'm not a piece of shit like Chris.
0: So the family is holding out hope that he is telling the truth. But they realize that something's going on, so he does file this police report. He tells the police that she left on her own accord, that he had no concern for her welfare, and that he had last seen her on January 9th when he dropped her off at the bus stop. He had spoken to her <coughs> excuse me, multiple times on the phone, is what he's telling the police. On March 27th, Chris placed an ad in the Daily Telegraph saying, Lynn, I love you. We all miss you. Please ring. We want you home. Chris. In the meantime, he's got a 16-year-old sleeping in the spot where his wife once slept. Yeah. Little uh, contradictory there. God bless.
1: I'm sure you really, really miss and you're actively having sex with a Mm 16-year-old. That's gross. Yep.
0: So during April, there were alleged sightings of Lynn, but there was no evidence to prove the validity of this. On in August of 1982, Chris submitted an antecedent report to police and put in for a court order for the dissolution of his marriage on the basis of abandonment. He told the police that his marriage to Lynn was strained due to her frivolous spending. Two months later, this request was granted. Chris was awarded all the marital assets, including the home and the children, in October, Chris removed all of Lynn's belongings. I guess he told Helene, uh, Helena that he was sick of having these items sitting there. He brought 10 garbage, bag f- b- garbage bags full of items to Helena's house. Yeah,
1: but like do what you will with them.
0: So he's basically removing all traces of Lynn from this home. Okay. So in 1983, Chris spoke to his friend Jeff for advice about filing for divorce and also made a formal affidavit for the application of property settlement, claiming that Lynn had abandoned their family home. And then family and friends came at around this time to visit Chris. They noticed that JC was wearing Lynn's rings, mm. which to me is very unsettling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Lynn's rings, like uh, not wedding ring or anything like um, that.
0: Well, I will. I have reason to believe that yes, and I, I will tell you why in this in this next part here.
1: Because that would be something Lynn would be wearing, right, when she was gone. I mean,
0: granted, right at this moment, I am not wearing my wedding rings because I don't sleep in them. Son of a. yeah and as far as i'm concerned if i'm not wearing them i'm single yeah i
1: guess so guys (laughs) send a message just kidding
0: so i mean i guess people do take their wedding rings off so it's possible that lynn wasn't wearing them when she was last seen sure so that's what i would suspect and this is a whole
1: year afterwards Mm -hmm. like 1983 and it happened in january of 82 yes well
0: so two years after Lynn went missing, Chris and JC got married on January fifteenth, nineteen eighty four. At
1: because the, now JC is old enough to be married, eighteen.
0: She's actually nineteen.
1: Nineteen. Okay.
0: So they got married at their home at the um, you know Chris and Lynn's home in Bayview. Paul and Marilyn were there as witnesses. JC was 19. Chris was 35. They moved then to the Gold Coast later that year and had Lynn's rings resized to fit JC. How freaking weird that you would take your wife's wedding rings and put them on somebody else's finger.
1: And uh, okay, a little judgment here for JC. So why would you be okay with taking an estranged wife's Rings and making them your own.
0: I think because she was so just afraid afraid yeah of this guy, okay,
1: I don't blame her for that, but it's just like man, women out there stand up for yourselves and I mean but you're afraid of getting beaten by this piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand where JC is coming from. Yeah.
0: I, and again, I had to keep telling myself that cause when I first read that, I was like, what the hell?
1: Like you'd be like, hell no. <clears throat> yeah. Never Go get a real ring. Never. Yeah.
0: So throughout 1984, Chris had all of Lynn's assets transferred to his name. He sold their house. Cause of course he's, he's moving into a new house In January of 1985, Chris and JC had a house built near Chris's brother, Paul, and his wife, Marilyn. So I'm assuming they must have relocated as well because they used to live down the street from their their home.
1: And by the way, uh, (laughs) Paul and Marilyn... Yeah, Paul, the, the yeah, brother of Chris. Brother. So uh you don't think anything's wrong with your dumbass brother <sighs> marrying somebody who's half their age? I'm mean, being with somebody and you're you're hosting this in your own house.
0: Not a chance in hell. That is another thing I thought about while I was doing this research, because you have a brother. And I can promise you, if you're thirty two-year-old brother showed up with a 16-year-old at christmas time i'd be like what the hell is wrong with you i'm calling the police like
1: she can stay here but you can't be here with her and you're not coming over for conjugal visits not a chance there's that's not happening just just so you know like this is sickening and get the hell out of my house yeah
0: how in the hell do they not have a problem with this so it was 1985 then that jc gave birth to their daughter and they would only have one child together.
1: Ah, oh, poor JC.
0: So Chris began working at Kebra Park High School and later transferred to Kumbaba. I hope I'm saying that right, um, where his brother worked. Around this time Lynn's friend Sue Straith worked or I'm sorry, wrote to the NSW ombudsman office and asked the watchdog to step in. She claimed that police had not taken enough action in investigating Lynn's disappearance i don't no think they've taken any
1: yeah. action i mean none it, it sounds like nothing like you just disappeared and they're like okay and then they wipe their hands well <laughs> this case is clean here mm-hmm.
0: and senior police claim that there was no nothing to indicate that there was any suspicion of foul play
1: how about that this woman is disappeared and hasn't contacted anybody
0: a woman that would have never disappeared and left her family is now gone
1: and this guy's marrying this chick half his age and that's not suspicious that's not weird right. i mean come on
0: this uh, this infuriated me so between 1985 and 1990 JC claimed that her marriage began to deteriorate it started basically after their daughter was born
1: yeah I'm gonna guess that he's (laughs) gonna start you know physically attacking Mm -hmm. you and you're not the new toy that he has anymore now that you're married and have his kids he's kind of looking for something else for another 15 year old
0: so she said that he used to sing these derogatory songs to Lynn that would basically demean her and make her just whittle down her self-worth. And then lo and behold, as his marriage to JC is progressing, he's doing the exact same thing to her. He's just a general piece of crap. So, you know, things are going downhill after the birth of their daughter. She said that he was very controlling. He allowed her very little freedom. And, you know, she's so naive and sheltered and really probably brainwashed that by this guy that she didn't even realize that there was anything wrong until she had her daughter and started arranging play dates and such with the other mothers. And in conversation, she's starting to realize this isn't normal. The things that are happening in my life aren't typical
1: good for her for recognizing that
0: i know and it must have been kind of horrifying to realize well once
1: you know they share a story and like oh where that that husband's different that must be you know the not the norm it's like oh no that that is the norm to be treated like an actual human being and not a piece of meat Mm -hmm. i'm not being treated that way
0: oh you're able to go to the park and go around and about and your husband's okay with you being out from under his thumb (laughs) so What
1: what do you do when your husband needs you to call every 15 minutes what are you talking about right yeah
0: it's very sad So she said that when they first got married, life was difficult. She was 19 years old. She had to learn to be a mother, a wife, to care for a house, to cook. She said she felt like a slave in general, specifically a sex slave, too. Uh, No doubt. And after their daughter was born, she began to actually fear for her life. And Chris became more and more violent.
1: It's like once these kids are involved, he wants nothing to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm. He wants to move on to the latest and the greatest.
1: As total sociopath, right?
0: I would think so.
1: Narcissist, whatever the typical terms we're using with these dickheads. Because they
0: always tend to be. So sometime around 1987, 1988, the new owners of Chris and Lynn's Bayview home said that Chris, Chris's friend and solicitor, Jeff Linder, they, they'd spoken with the solicitor just... Coincidentally, they're making a meeting, and while they're meeting, he basically, this person that had bought the Bayview home, is telling Jeff that, hey, I bumped into Chris. What I heard was that Chris used to like jog by the house and kind of like stop in, like, oh, I want to see what you guys are doing. Cause they were doing a lot of renovations. Where are you digging? Blah, blah, blah. So he basically made a comment to Jeff, like, Hmm, you know, they he had asked where we're planning on digging in the yard.
1: Wonder why he's so concerned with where we're digging.
0: So Jeff later told said that he found this conversation chilling, but he never did report it to police.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to get involved. And it's like it's weird. And this is a friend. And it's like, I mean, uh, at the same time, he ha- does have an estranged wife that nobody knows where she is. Right. So that I mean, yeah, he probably should have said something.
0: But, you know, he's probably hoping maybe he's just curious about the renovations yeah. because he he had this home built and he's like, oh, what are you guys doing back here? so in 1990 jc and chris separated she moved to sydney with their daughter and contacted lynn's family about their marriage police conducted a survey of chris and lynn's bayview home they used ground penetrating radar but there was no digging done at this time they ended up using ground penetrating radar in 1990 1991 1999 and 2016 they focused on the area around the pool but they didn't find anything on may 17th 1990 JC made a police report about several serious allegations. She contacted Lynn's family through a social worker. She described how she was groomed by Chris while she was attending high school and that they had had sex together while Lynn was asleep upstairs.
1: Wow. So what what made her all of a sudden come out with this?
0: Because I think she was finally broken free of this monster. Good. And was seeing the light of like holy crap. Like this woman is gone.
1: Not to mention he's probably doing it to somebody else.
0: So So, you know she's finally finally out from under his thumb. So she also indicated she's like giving them insight about what was going on back when Lynn was still around. And she said that Lynn wasn't really much of a drinker But, you know, Chris would make her a lot of alcoholic drinks with the goal of her passing out so that she could have he could have sex with JC. He was basically trying to get his wife liquored up and pass out so he could take advantage of the 16 year old girl. And Lynn's mom also kept like diary entries. And the night that, you know, she was saying she talked to her, she's like Lynn sounded half sozzled, I think is the word she used. But she seemed happy. So, you know, there's definite proof that he's trying to get her her Drunk. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, another level of control. She said that Chris, like I said, would chip away at Lynn's self confidence, telling her he didn't care about her, that she was physically unattractive. She claimed that a month before Lynn disappeared, Chris talked about hiring a hitman to get rid of her. She said she was never comfortable with their relationship. She tried to leave on several occasions. It was very difficult since she was just a kid herself. And he had also groomed her and convinced her to trust him. It wasn't until January 15th of 1991 that Chris was interviewed by police at Binlay Station in Queensland after Lynn's file was reopened. Senior police officer Paul Home was encouraged to look into the case by his wife's friend, who was also friends with Lynn. He contacted the ombudsman, who found that Lynn's case file is basically empty. There's no investigation, really. That's been been done. How the
1: hell did that happen?
0: I don't know. I mean, did
1: it come out that you know, Chris knows anybody yet? The- well,
0: I will give a little insight to that. Um, okay. It's I think it, it reminds me a lot of our last case, like with um what was his name, Robert Chambers. You know, he's good looking. He's well known in the com- community. It's like oh, oh so he's he,
1: good looking, so he must not be. Able he must to not a crime. be a
0: murderer. Right, it's very strange that humans have that thought process. Yeah,
1: we're imperfect.
0: Like good-looking people can't do bad things. I yeah. I don't see how the two are related, but hey. So in 1998, police officially reopened the investigation into Lynn's disappearance. Detective Sergeant Damian Loon was in charge of the case. The next year, in 99, Chris and Paul's phones were tapped. They never really said anything incriminating. Paul and Marilyn were questioned by police. Paul said that he and his family were away on vacation when Lynn went missing. He speculated that Lynn could have run off with a religious group. Like, what the hell?
1: (laughs) i guess i mean anything's possible right yeah but
0: not likely there's no reason to believe that, <laughs> I mean, that he's would just have coming happened. up with ideas
1: like maybe it was religious they never know.
0: even mentioned their faith or the fact that they went to church maybe it was an alien so paul told police that he wasn't even sure if chris and jc were together at that time and Marilyn's speaking up and saying, No, they were, because remember, they stayed with us at Christmas in 1981. Oh, boy. Like, you dumbass.
1: Well, I mean, d- dumbass twins to dumbass twins, right?
0: So, Marilyn confessed that she never told Lynn about what was going on, the fact that JC was with them at Christmas time. But she felt that Lynn didn't fight for her marriage and gave chris and jc ample opportunity to be together Ooh, so boy. blaming lynn yeah. and not the pedophile adulterous jackass yeah that that's rich victim shaming
1: yeah by the way you're, you're you're brainwashed by this asshole too so don't don't fool yourself into thinking that you know you put the blame on lynn and all of a sudden it's yeah you're, you're actually the one that's a dumbass that let this happen and in your you
0: know house. i know she's married to chris's twin maybe he's very similar and i'll tell you something that leads me to believe that he is so maybe Marilyn's is a victim of abuse too i don't know i don't appreciate her saying these things about lynn though so chris declined at this point in time to be interviewed in january of 2000 police conducted a limited excavation in a small area around the pool the pool was in place of course when they lived in this bayview home they did find a pink cardigan they said they found a popper container with a 1981 expiration date i looked it up i wasn't entirely clear on what a popper container was I, I'm not sure.
1: Popper sounds like a, some kind of a popover, like a, a pastry or something. No, no? It, w- it wasn't. With an expiration.
0: Yeah. So, so I don't know if it was like a food. pill bottle or, pills, okay. or something like that. Okay. So the item appeared to contain that. When I say the item, I mean this pink cardigan. It contains slash marks like stabbings. Mm. There was no signs of blood or anything like that. And it was also said to be Lynn's favorite cardigan. Why the hell is a pink cardigan buried around the pool?
1: I mean, you can also say, oh, maybe it was outside after a rain or something. Yeah. Uh, And it somehow eventually
0: got buried and it has slash marks. I don't know. Right. So at this point in time, obviously, other people own this home. They've done a lot of construction, they've even made an addition to the house
1: and you said there's been ground penetrating radar in several years multiple times nothing came up
0: no but here's the problem so this the new owners added an addition to the house over what was previously described as soft loose soil and some family and friends are convinced that lynn is buried here but there's now a home over the spots yeah so there's no nothing happening there. You can't
1: say exactly where it was because it's somewhere over that spot, under that spot. Right.
0: You know, obviously foundation or whatever, you'd be completely destroying this structure that is now on this property. So that hasn't happened. So family, like I said, believes that it's possible that Lynn could be buried under this new structure. Of course. So, and again, we know that Chris was coming by this house and asking the owners, where are you doing some digging? So it's very possible that she is. We, we don't know. So the next year, it's February of 20, um, excuse me, 2001, there was the first, it's called coronial inquest, which is a formal hearing about the death or suspected death of a person. So they're holding this and it's speculated that Lynn was killed by someone she knew and it was recommended that charges be filed, but these are denied. Then again, in 2003, in February, it's denied a second time. In August of 2003, the director of public prosecutions refused to prosecute on the basis of a lack of evidence. During the full hearing in February of 2003, over the course of five days, numerous witnesses are coming forward. They're alleging that Chris was a serial groomer of young girls, which he also shared with his brother, Paul, Uh. including JC when JC was 16.
1: Oh, no. Which
0: tells me why Paul was willing to have JC come and stay at his house. Well, that's the
1: thing. I mean, I imagine they're identical twins.
0: I believe so, because they were both models and they sure as hell looked alike in these ads that I saw.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I had this conversation conversation with somebody at my work trip recently i was like identical twins i mean they are the same person They, you know they they start as the same and obviously they could be raised slightly differently but if they grew up in the same house and went to the same schools they're going to have a lot of the same interests and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and they did. Yeah. They're, they're, they they're, were
0: both teachers. They both played rugby. They were both models. Yeah.
1: So this is the thing. If one is a pedophile, the other one has a strong indication. Like it, maybe the one didn't act on it yet, but it probably has it in their brain that they're attracted to super young females or whatever it is. And, yeah. that's uh, so sickening. So the, both of these guys are full-fledged pieces of shit.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. So in 2013, police offered a $100,000 reward for any kind of information. They doubled it to 200,000 the following year in 2014. In 2015, a third police investigation was started with Detective Senior Constable Daniel Poole. He was in charge of the case. And in in this year, 2015, the entire block where the home sat was mapped out. They brought out cadaver dogs. They did another dig on the property in 2016. I actually saw videos of it where they like had this machine that shook up the soil to like look for any kind of bone fragments or anything. They didn't find anything, but of course, what's under this structure? Again, that wasn't there when Chris moved out of that house. Yeah, the I think the only way is if they took it down, took it down to the foundation and digged under that or digged, dug under there.
1: Yeah, I mean that would take some like cooperation of a, m- a bunch of people to buy the house from this couple or something right. you know and be like i wouldn't want to live there anymore no you know, think gosh
0: of to think of what could potentially be under that part of the house would be very chilling
1: so like the 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 town or the city or the county would have to buy the house and or, or some organization and then you can do whatever you want with it
0: Or could it be that police had a strong enough suspicion that they could mandate that even if you own this house, you got to take the structure down?
1: Yeah, but how can you have it? I mean, all all they have is that there is some loose soil.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's only speculation.
1: There's like no evidence. Right. So as long as Chris and his piece of shit brother Paul, Mm -hmm. as long as they're not talking, they have nothing unless these assholes talk to somebody else, which they probably did. I mean, you got to think that somebody like such ego like these guys would probably talk to somebody at some point. So I don't
0: know. Nobody has come forward. So the house has had several owners since Lynn's disappearance. At one point, it was sold for as much as two point four million. Oh
1: no! So yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of money.
0: So in May of two thousand eighteen, there was a podcast that was made. It was called The Teacher's Pet, and it was formed by journalist Headley Thomas. He's an Australian journalist it was started about lynn's case it ran 16 episodes and it concluded with chris's arrest in 2018 really yes so i will tell you all about that so it got more than 60 um million downloads wow so this podcast was absolutely pivotal and like what i'm going to conclude with saying about this case so it highlighted the police's missteps it portrayed chris as a man who got away with murder the podcast made Lynn a household name. It brought forward new evidence. It put her case back in the spotlight. And when I say back in the spotlight, I'd say in the spotlight for the first time. Like nothing well, since it happened. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, we did digs and things here and there, but other than that, it really nothing much was done. So I really think that this podcast was a huge role in what ends up happening here. So in September of 2018, police conducted a dig again in the backyard. Nothing was found again. Um, December 5th, 2018, Chris Dawson was arrested. He was charged with murder.
1: So what'd they find?
0: So a now 74 year old Chris pleaded not guilty. He maintained his innocence with a story that his wife had, simply walked out of their lives but you
1: can't just arrest somebody with nothing
0: well i will tell you barbara cruz the owner of the childcare care center where lynn worked as a nurse feels that because chris was seen as a celebrity in their area because of his athletic ability the fact that he was a teacher he was on tv ads he was great looking this allowed police to believe he was innocent i know we touched base on that but you know just bringing that into the light So they, I will tell you, they never found anything. There is no evidence. They never, ever find Lynn's body. So the prosecution's case was that Chris killed Lynn so that he could move forward in his relationship with J.C. He could retain ownership of all of their assets. They believe that there were three motives for murder. The animosity he had for Lynn, which led to physical and verbal abuse, his infatuation, and they said he was absolutely infatuated with J.C., that he had as well as his desire to avoid Any kind of financial consequences Of divorce because again we do Know he contacted his, Paul, his brother Paul who was a lawyer and he did tell Him you will have financial losses related To this divorce
1: yeah but like so In the United States they would have nothing to stand on I don't know how things are done in Australia but Yeah these these things are bad But nothing you need the, the Weapon or to find some or the, mm-hmm. the you know, Person's body I would think but go ahead I'm
0: pretty sure that we've had arrests with No evidence Um, that one unarrested Okay, that one case where we had done the Melanie, whatever, uh, the suitcase murder, they never had any body or no, they did find his body. So I, I take that back. Yeah, but go ahead. I'm go sure ahead. there have been arrests where there's no body or anything so two instances were brought up during the trial a babysitter once saw this is kind of silly chris flick lynn with a dish towel the neighbor then of course looked over the fence saw chris arguing in the backyard neither of these were considered because spouses argue you know you can't say oh they were having a heated argument he must have killed her people argue all the time and they don't kill their spouses right so witnesses came forward um saying that uh, he had spoken to Chris on a flight and asked him if he knew anyone that could help him get rid of his wife. Uh, then there was another that said they saw Lynn in a pub in 1982 and that she gave them the impression that she left home with nothing. So police would think that her husband murdered her.
1: Well, I mean, that phone call is pretty significant to get rid of my he, wife. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. It was I've, somebody
0: that talked to him on a plane.
1: That's a Oh, Okay. Okay, well, that's the biggest thing, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, also, J.C. said that he talked about hiring a hitman a month before Lynn went missing. Okay, those are so, both very,
1: very strong strong things.
0: And then another person said they saw Lynn working as a nurse, so the judge... You know, did not believe that any of these sightings have actually happened. The fact that Lynn had been making upcoming plans, including a surprise party for her mom's 66th birthday, she was arranging an artist to draw portraits of her daughters, the fact that she adored her girls, she was a mentally stable person, she had not taken a single personal belonging with her. And she was remaining hopeful at that time, based on multiple people saying that her marriage was going to be saved, all point to the fact that Lynn would have never, ever picked up her life and just left.
1: So we've got strong indications Lynn probably didn't just pick up and yes. go. We've got strong indications that Chris was the reason for her disappearance. Mm-hmm. But that's where it kind of ends. Right.
0: Right. So, the defense argued that witnesses' negative perceptions of Chris were falsely driven by this teacher's pet podcast. They also argued that Lynn's disappearance would have only caused problems between him and JC since JC was only a child and didn't want to raise their daughters, and there would be no financial gain. It would have all been eliminated by the fact that now, you know, Chris is a single parent and there's no more income coming in from lynn who worked so he's saying that that that's silly he wouldn't have eliminated his wife for financial gain on friday december 2nd 2022 so this is just you know a year or so ago 40 years after Lynn went missing, New South Wales Supreme Court Justice Ian Harrison was convinced that despite the lack of evidence or finding Lynn's body, Chris was guilty of Lynn's murder. He was sentenced to 24 years in prison. It's suspected. Yep.
1: That is. Okay. Um, I mean, this guy probably did it, but I don't know how things are done elsewhere. And in the US, that would have never happened. Like,
0: you, you never know.
1: No, it's innocent until proven guilty, and he's not proven guilty. He's not, absolutely not proven, now I'm sorry to Lynn's family. I know this is, and this guy probably deserves it, but everything I've heard to this point is speculation, you know, and that's, I can't believe that he was sentenced to 22 years? 24. 24 years. Yeah. And it's kind of giving this this Supreme Court justice a little bit too much power, right? He can just decide, well, you know what, he probably did it right?
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to go on and you can see if you change your mind. It's suspected that Lynn was killed sometime between January 8th and January 9th of 1982 because Lynn's body was never found. The sentence carries a no parole period of 18 years. It's a new, no body, no parole state law, which means that as long as her body remains missing, he will not be eligible for any kind of early release. During the sentence, the judge talked about the brutality of the crime, the selfishness of Chris, the fact that he disposed of his wife and mother of his children so that he could replace her with his teenage lover. Chris claimed that Lynn had called him several times. The judge found this very unlikely, the fact that she didn't contact her mother or any other family member, and instead you know, she chose to call the person that was essentially driving her out of her home. It's the phone calls were probably obviously bullshit. So police theorize that Lynn's body may be somewhere in the Central Coast region north of Sydney, believing that he, Chris did travel to this location on Saturday, January 9th, 1982, having plenty of time since his kids were staying. They said with a friend, but I, they could have been staying with their grandmother. Regardless, he, he had the house to himself. He could have had plenty of time to take care of of Lynn's body. So the area is over 200 square miles and far too vast of an area to be searched. Family feel that they will never know the truth of what really happened to Lynn and where her body is. Unable to put her to rest, believing that Chris has likely so thoroughly convinced himself that he did not w- murder his wife that they will—he'll n- never confess. He'll never say it. Yeah,
1: as far as he's concerned, he didn't do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Lynn's sister, Pat, feels that she could never forgive Chris for the cruel way that he treated her grieving mother. She never stopped searching for Lynn, often taking a train to Central Coast since that's where Chris said that Lynn was calling from. He would string Helena along, telling her that Lynn was planning to call on a certain day so that she would sit by the phone all day long waiting for a call that was never going to come. Helena passed away in 2001. Her ashes were scattered in the ocean at Clovely, where she swam daily, Lynn's brother, Greg Sims, feels that the sentencing was monumentous. It was a moment of freedom that was four decades in the making. He says that Lynn will always be remembered by the family as a happy, loving, gentle sister, aunt, niece, and friend. And moving forward, they want her to be remembered as Lynette Joy Sims. Chris Dawson has had 40 years of freedom, and now it's our turn.
1: Wow. So are we going to post this as Lynette Joy Sims and slash Lynn Dawson or whatever?
0: Um, yeah, since that was a brother's request, I think that would be appropriate. I think that's the right
1: thing to do. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I'm not mad that Chris got 24 years because the odds I'm are not. I'm just trying to think logically how that can be done. The only thing I can think of is between JC's story because when JC said, you know, about a hitman, that's like a he said, she said stuff, mm-hmm. right? Then you have somebody else on the plane that said they talked to Chris. Then it's like, okay, we have two people corroborating that he was thinking about getting rid of his wife. Right. So that gives you pretty strong evidence, but I still maintain that in the United States, I don't think he would see much of anything
0: i don't know i mean i am any- certainly not a lawyer so i don't know how many cases like this would be charged as guilty
1: yeah i'm not either obviously but pretty much like uh you know since we've done a lot of you're like podcasts, a lawyer i'm pretty sure i could pass the bar but um <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i'm just kidding so uh yeah that's I'm, I'm glad chris is probably gonna die in jail
0: oh likely he's what 74 years old yeah 24 years once he
1: gets out and uh his brother paul um you know, hopefully suffer something similarly without actually him killing somebody. So, um, you know, you're both pieces of shit and you should both be in jail. Yeah, so.
0: I am very relieved. And, you know, the family was just like holding their breath throughout the whole trial, not knowing which way it was going to go. And when the guilty verdict was read, I mean, they were just so relieved.
1: Well, I'm glad they have some relief.
0: You know, it's just sad, though, that they'll likely never recover her body. Right. And and that is, that's hard. And because... especially,
1: great job to this podcast that came out, Teacher's Pet. <sighs> that's Man, crazy.
0: Amazing. Wow. Amazing.
1: Wonderful work.
0: Isn't it so crazy that this journalist just had this idea and and went forward with it with the 16 episodes that literally help put a man behind bars. Well,
1: the journalist found enough evidence and he's like, I don't know how this wasn't all seen. And we have to, it, like, thank God we have this medium of being able to spread these stories. And yeah.
0: Everything. And it's funny because when he contacted Lynn's brother and sister, they were literally, this is 2018. They're like, what's a podcast? Right. Like they had no idea. Right. So That's it's, awesome. it is amazing how these social media platforms really can help.
1: Yeah. And we have so many caring people that listen to these podcasts because you want to know what happened to the people. And we have so many people reaching out to us. If you have a, uh, a case suggestion like this one you know, reach out to us on instagram or patreon or you know anywhere that we're out there yeah and you can tell us and we'll gladly spread stories here um,
0: absolutely because it's just so crazy that something that happened in early january of 1982 finally just last year you know just in december of 2022 like yeah. after all that time you would totally think this guy's gonna just die a free man yeah nope
1: and um, we do have more episodes available if you want to hear more. Um, over 20, I believe now.
0: I think it's like 21-ish. Yeah,
1: come uh, be a patron. It's mm-hmm. uh, in the show notes. And we want to say thank you to our newest patrons, Silly Little Bit and Sharon. Uh, I'm not going to say her last name. Okay. Oh, I almost did. Yeah. But um, Silly <laughs> Little Bit likes horses. So she's got, Um, they, they have a cute little horse picture on Aww, their thing. So nice. Yeah. Uh, well thank, thank
0: you guys so much we'll welcome you over on patreon with open arms yep
1: and you'll be getting bonus episodes up the yin yang
0: up the yin and the yang
1: yeah so thank you for uh, telling the story of of lynette yeah we appreciate it and you know rest rest in peace but um yeah thank you for listening and uh, until next sunday
0: bye, bye.